everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We are so happy you are with us tonight, and we are um, continuing our month of talking about autism homeschooling. And we are excited that um, we have a very special guest returning um, for our show, Cheryl Swoop. Welcome, Cheryl. We're so glad to have you here. (laughs) Thank you. It is good to be here. Yeah, well... Thanks for taking time out of your schedule and um, just being willing to, to pour into our parents some of the wisdom that you have about homeschooling kids on the spectrum. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I also want to thank um, Home Life Academy for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We'll um, hear a little bit more from them about halfway through our broadcast. But we also want to welcome those of you that are watching us live. Um, welcome if you're watching us not live, too. Um, but if you're watching live and you know somebody that maybe has some questions and wants to be part of this conversation, um, share the link with If you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Periscope, um, all those places, we can incorporate your questions, your comments, and we definitely welcome them. So, um, so yeah, so we are going to dive into this subject and and talk about homeschooling children on the spectrum, wisdom from the trenches. So, Cheryl, how many years have you been homeschooling? (laughs) We started at the beginning when our children came to us, they were at the time foster children with a view mm. to adopting. They were just 14 months old. They mm. are now 26 years old. Mm. So, um, so for quite a while. Yeah. And even though they graduated, we found that the structure that we gave them and the richness for their minds and souls, all of that was still needed after grad homeschooling for the whole span. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I would like our, our audience if they don't know you, but I, I, I'm assuming many of them already do just because, um, because of your, your book, your curriculum, um, just the consulting that you do. But um, if you could just let our audience know a little bit more about you and your family and, um, and maybe why you chose to homeschool and also about the, why you chose the classical approach to homeschooling and how that appealed to you as well, you know, as, especially if, in teaching your children that um, had some spectrum issues. There's a lot there in that question. Yeah, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, my husband and I had been married five years and hoped for children the entire mm. time, but we learned we could not have biological children. We had also been learning more together um, about, it looks like I'm going in and out there. I'm not sure if that's on okay. camera or just on my end. But um, anyway, we, we were learning a, more theologically, I guess, during those five years. We had a lot of time to, to explore, a, I guess, a, a better understanding of the scriptures And we started understanding that we are adopted into Mm. God's kingdom through no merit or worthiness of our own, but just through God's mercy. And just that, that understanding led us to adoption of children. Mm. We, we took our, the classes, we, um, we were licensed. Thankfully, it was through a Christian organization, and also our kids were with a different Christian agency. 
So as Providence would have it, our worker who had been looking for a child for us attended a conference at which our children's worker was seated right next to her. Hmm. And as people talk, colleagues talk, they were saying the one for our children said to the other, do you have anyone who could take twins with special needs? Some Mm. people would take one, but I don't want to separate them. And we want to make sure that it's somebody who could, who could care for them. They didn't really know what the special needs were, but, Mm -hmm. but they knew something. So I have a master's degree in special ed. Our worker knew that Mm. my husband is an attorney and um, our worker knew that. So we were licensed on a Monday. We got a phone call then on a Tuesday. Wow. (laughs) By next Sunday, can you get your house ready for twins? Wow. Both Hmm. of whom have special needs. And we had hoped for a boy and a girl under two. And lo and behold, it was a boy and a girl at the same time under two. Uh So in terms of the the pedagogy or the understanding of teaching, all those five years, I had been reading about what was then kind of new, which was the reclaiming of a classical education. Mm. In my teacher training, there was a really heavy emphasis on behaviorism, like Mm -hmm. Skinner, and dealing with children almost devoid of a soul a soul. No, it was Mm -hmm. more just like pragmatics. And um, there was, there was a big emphasis also on life skills, which of course are important, but it was almost like life skills as the curriculum or behaviorism as, as the, the curriculum, the approach to teaching Mm -hmm. and the content too, just did not seem to be very rich to me. Mm. Meanwhile, this was back in the, 80s, I was, um, well, actually not meanwhile, this, this actually predated marrying. Back in the 80s, I worked for a public school district. I was in charge of 12 elementary schools. And my role was to help with the children who had behavior disorders. I've always been drawn to children who have those Mm -hmm. particular difficulties. And what I saw in the classrooms sometimes was inspiring depending on the teacher, Mm -hmm. but often not so much. Mm. Meanwhile. And so at that same time, I heard about a woman named Marva Collins Hmm. and most of the people listening are too young to know Marva (laughs) Collins. So it's worth looking her up. There's a movie starring Cicely Tyson. It's a DVD. You can get it on Amazon. It's called, I think, The Marva Collins Story. So it was just a documentary at this time that I watched. It was it was a woman who was fed up with her inner city public school system in Chicago at the time. She said, I'm just going to start my own school. She started her own school. And she took a lot of children who were labeled mentally Mm -hmm. retarded, which was the term at that time for intellectual disability, also learning disabilities, Mm -hmm. and and just a lot of children who had no background in anything literary. 
mm-hmm. based on their circumstances. So right. she was teaching these children Shakespeare and Dickens mm. and phonics, which had really fallen out of favor back in the 80s. She just wanted them to read. She wanted them to hear good literature. And then she wanted them to be able to be orators and Mm. debaters, thinkers. She was just saying that there's so much more than, than what you have known. So watching this and comparing it to my circumstances back then, the different classrooms that I had observed and the the things Mm -hmm. that I felt like we were offering or not offering to our kids back then. I just, I said, now if she can do that with those children, then why are we not doing this with all of our children? Right. So that was the precursor late eighties. Then we flash forward to the nineties when I'm married and we were waiting for children. So during that time, I read more about classical education. There would, there would be just mm-hmm. little articles in homeschooling magazines. I didn't have children, but I so wanted to homeschool. I had a couple friends oh. who were homeschooling, and I thought, if I ever have children, oh, that's what I want to do. If it's mm-hmm. the best thing for them, because I'm just right. sort of a natural homebody. And, um, <laughs> and I just was starting to love everything about classical homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So enter those two babies into our home. At first, of course, it was all about how do we feed them and change their diapers right. and how do I want to do it Because they were just babies. And, mm-hmm. and um, we did obtain PT and OT and speech pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I did start to think about their education. By, well, When they were three, they were supposed to go to a public school special ed program. And I started wondering, would they receive the same poetry? We were doing children's poetry. Would they receive the same music? Would they have the same Mm -hmm. quality of speech, OT, and PT that we were doing privately through our children's hospital? You know, what would Mm -hmm. we be sacrificing? Is this an automatic decision where you just say, okay, they qualify, so they go, or right. do you think about it a little bit? So mm-hmm. we were thinking about it, and I I, um, I, kind of made sort of a vow to myself at that time that I have kept all along, that if mm-hmm. someone else can do better what I'm wanting to do, then I will place them with that person. If it truly is in huh. the best interest, that could be a public school mm-hmm. program, it could be a Christian school. It could be a classical school. If, mm-hmm. if someone else can do this better, then I, um, by God's grace, want to have the humility to say, okay, then yeah. here we go. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we, didn't, we didn't find that. And at age four, when the kids were four, I approached our classical Christian school. There was only one in the St. Louis area, which is where we mm-hmm. live. And I said, do you think that you could take children who by now were diagnosed on the autism spectrum? Mm. They both had either speech or language issues. They both had Mm -hmm. coordination needs. They had um, some behavioral things, attention, concentration. Anyway, Mm -hmm. the classical Christian school said, no, no, no. (laughs) We we (laughs) cannot do that. We can't accommodate them. Mm. And... 
I was disappointed, of course, but I also respected the fact that they really were not set up for that at the time. Right. And this was about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So at that time we said, we will go ahead and homeschool and just take it a year at a time and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And as I said at the beginning, they graduated and uh, here we are today. They're now 26, but we still do many elements of homeschooling. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something that stirred in your heart even before um, you even knew the plan. So, so that's, that's awesome. And it it just shows through, you know, all of, all the things that you write in your curriculum, that just the love that you have for this approach for, for learning. And also as you just talk about your kids and as they continue learning, because yeah, just the the things that you post and talk about, you know, with your daughter and her poetry and um, your son and and his endeavors um, of what he's interested in. So, um, so that's, that's awesome that, you know, you've created these lifelong learners and uh, um, yeah, I'm, just love what your approach to, to homeschooling and um, it's such an encouragement to, to many, I think, as we struggle in getting started and trying to figure out how, how we're going to make it through. <laughs> so. Well, and, you know, and I have to say too, that it's not all because of strengths. It's, it's mm-hmm. really also because of weakness. Not only theirs, but ours, that having having the structure, having something purposeful to do, certainly attending church, praying mm-hmm. every night, those are things that we do because we need to. Yes, those are good. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, if you're joining us, we have a lot of viewers on. Um, I just want you to know that um, you can be part of our conversation. Um, we're just going to be talking about homeschooling wisdom from the trenches. I wanted you to to get to know um, Cheryl just a little bit more if you didn't know her. her um, but but we're going to talk about just common questions. I've got kids on the spectrum. How do I homeschool? And I wrote some questions down, but definitely we want to incorporate what you have to ask as, as well. Um because um, Cheryl has a lot of wisdom to pull from. And and so, you know, I think some of the, the biggest questions, Cheryl, that a lot of parents have, or if they say it or not, in the back of their mind, am I doing enough or am I really adequate to, um, to homeschool my child? And um, we can even be homeschooling for a while and still wonder that. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for parents when, when they start thinking that question? It's a twofold answer. One, you're probably far more equipped than you think. Mm. And staying on that one, I think that a lot of people realized that last year. We had a lot of homeschoolers who came to us because they started realizing really what was happening in their um, their program Mm -hmm. for their child. And they never intended to homeschool, but they did think, I I could do better than this. Or maybe they loved their program, whether it was public school or Mm -hmm. private. But the whole thing of trying to learn over a screen for six hours Mm -hmm. a day made it such that, well, that's just not going to work. Or Mm -hmm. um, I just talked to a mom a few weeks ago, whose little girl loved going to her program, Mm -hmm. but not only did she have autism, but she also has difficulties 
processing phonologically. So everyone's wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. So she's trying to learn sounds, letters, how you make those sounds. And her mother's not Eng- not a native English speaker. Mm-hmm. Very bright. But didn't feel equipped to teach her phonics until she realized, well, I can do better than my poor teacher who has to wear a mask covering her up. So anyway, um, so that's the first answer. You, you may be far more equipped than you think, mm-hmm. if only because you truly love your child. That's so You're true. going to make that's the sacrifices, which is just mm-hmm. a, a God-given thing that, that we do. We make mm-hmm. the sacrifices because... Um, that's just our calling. The other, the other part of that answer is Mm -hmm. you'll never be fully adequate, (laughs) but that's a good thing too, because it does bring us back to prayer. It brings us back Mm -hmm. to humility before our children saying we're Mm -hmm. no better than you are. We exactly, we need, Mm -hmm. um, we need God's word. We need his, um, his mercy mm-hmm. and we're all in the same boat. So just knowing that we're, we're really not adequate for this task. And yet um, he is yeah. and does equip us thankfully day by day. Thankfully. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. It's so encouraging too. I mean, cause we, I think a lot of times we have that ideal perfect homeschool mom out there and then we see how our life is just, not there. <laughs> we kind of wonder, um, and that lurking question that sits behind us, but, um, but definitely it's, it is, it's by God's grace and, and one day at a time and, and we can get through. So, well, and sometimes too, I'll tell parents that if you, if you have several children who really are responding well to just kind of average good parenting, but then there's one child that just really isn't. That can kind of be for you um, a red flag that mm. look at you know look at your control group. Your control group is doing reasonably well, but then mm-hmm. there's this one who just is not responding to that same kind of parenting that does make us feel ineffective and powerless and helpless and and mm-hmm. hopeless. But that's when that's when it's time to get some help. Yeah. Start start forming a team of mm-hmm. people who can support you, support your child. We're um, we're currently in that process, kind of all over mm-hmm. again. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. very sensitive to those to those things. Yeah, yeah. We we hit those bumps, and I I think those are the times where. And that's a, that's a great point. Your control group. I never thought of it that way, but, um, but yeah, we tend to judge ourselves on the one that isn't doing well and say, well, it must be because of me, um, instead of saying, oh, well, everything else is going well, but yeah, this child needs help. I, we, we have a spiraling issue in our house too. So I'm, (laughs) I'm there with you. (laughs) Well, and sometimes it is because of us. That's just the hard reality. So right. You know, whether we're, we're bearing a cross or causing one, mm. we, either way, we need, we need some reinforcement, whether that's friends or neighbors or extended family. We don't necessarily have to tell people, but it's just mm-hmm. having, having more than just what's in our four walls and, um, right. and 
that it's just that's just important. Yeah, it's it that outside perspective. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, because we tend to get so um, tunnel vision and in all of that. It is good to have that outside um, perspective. So right. we have a question from one of our viewers. Are you willing to take that? Certainly. Okay. Amanda says, um, she's watching on YouTube, um, for older kids on the Asperger side of the spectrum at or above grade level academically, but struggles with anxiety overwhelm. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for including online classes into the homeschool? Usually what we say is just do one, just start with one for the semester Mm -hmm. and then allow enough time to help the child with that online class. Unlike some that feel like they're farming out their child to the online program, you really don't have that luxury. It's going to be a whole different thing, but you're still Mm -hmm. monitoring it. You're still helping Mm -hmm. with homework. You're still setting some time management goals, but all of those are so important for anything, college, Mm -hmm. job, or more online classes. Mm -hmm. So that's the key yeah. is kind of make that the priority for the semester and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Another tip though is to talk to the online instructor or the director of the online academy mm-hmm. and ask if they can make some accommodations if they're necessary. Mm. They might not be able to do that. So you'll need to know that ahead of time. But right. but sometimes they they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice when they those are self paced because then you can kind of make the accommodations sometimes on your end too. I know my daughter is taking her first online class and is very frustrated with the quizzes because they tend to cover what's in the next chapter and and she keeps failing them and she's like, "Mom, but I didn't find it out till the next chapter." And it's like, well, then the quizzes just weren't written correctly, but. But yeah, you do need to be on top of it because they can just think it's it's all about them and then feel really bad. And it, it could be a more positive experience. So I love that advice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they're testing on material that hasn't been covered, then it might be time to find a different online class. I know. <laughs> the content is so good. So I just told her, don't take the quizzes. Just tell me what you learn. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, it's she's, that ability, sure. Yeah, she's doing American art, art history, which is, it's so content rich, but yet the quizzes probably weren't the best. <laughs> the content's great though. <laughs> so, yeah. So Amanda, I am the I hope that answers your question. And, um, and yeah, if you're watching and you have a question as well, feel free to just pop it in the feed and we would be happy to include it. Um, so another question that uh, a lot of parents often ask is, um, how do I know if I'm teaching my child what they should be learning? Mm. How, how would you respond to that? Well, you know, I think that right, I think now is a really nice time to be homeschooling. Back mm. when I started, it was very piecemeal. You had one or two catalogs, period. And you had to just <laughs> choose your grammar and choose your math. And if it didn't seem to be working, you chose a different one and you, and you chose a different one. And on you went. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, the, the so-called boxed curriculum or the packages, they mm-hmm. can 
lend themselves to much more curricular cohesion, meaning Mm -hmm. they know exactly where they're going. Mm -hmm. So if you find something that you love, you can stay with it and know that you're not going to have that fragmented approach to Mm. grammar or writing or literature or math. And, Mm. um, and it's a good time to mention that not all curriculum packages, however, are a great fit for our special needs learners because they need things that are more experimental or Mm -hmm. maybe not quite so much writing or Mm -hmm. some options for, for other modifications. So, our simply classical curriculum is written just for special needs. Right. Or simplyclassical.com is the easy. Oh, is that easy. the easier one? Okay. Right. Yeah. That's so kind of like all in one right there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's right. You've got everything on that page from the curriculum to. Right. And there are free readiness assessments, so you know exactly where to begin. Mm -hmm. They're also customizable. So if somebody's a little higher in math but still needs to work on reading and spelling and writing, then you just can up up the level of math Uh Uh through the customize button. So there is some customization in there. But they're all themed, and they all, like I said, they know where we're going. So they're all Mm -hmm. in sort of a stair-step of skill development, but they also have that richness that we talked about at the front Mm, of the program mm -hmm. where it doesn't matter how quote unquote remedial something might be. Even the covers, we try to make the covers dignified and beautiful with sacred Mm. art, even if we're just learning to write a sentence. Mm. And, um, and we always have art and music and science the, the kind of great ideas of all time are all woven in there and Christian yeah. studies at every level mm-hmm. for the comfort of not just the child, but the homeschool mom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to the podcast, so I'm going to read the, the, the website to you, but it's simplyclassical.com is where you can find all of um, Cheryl's the information that she just talked about, plus a whole lot more. So I just want to make sure that if you're listening and not watching on the screen, you know that. So, um, yeah, that that's a good point, because I, I think we get so caught up with standardized testing and we we forget that um, that our kids can be learning at a lot of different levels. And that's OK. And and to, to be OK with that versus, um, you know. Um, I've heard from some parents, and I'm, I'm assuming you agree with me on this, but if a child is go- lacking in one area, not to stop the stuff that they're doing good in and say, we got to catch up with this until, and then we can start everything again. Oh, um, definitely. Right. Right. There's no need for that in homeschooling. It can all be tailored. So yes, it's important. And just speaking to that, that thought about the standardized tests and, oh, we have to just keep pushing forward and forward, mm-hmm. even though we know they're not getting it. Um, one, one thing that really opened my eyes to the importance of mastery with my, mm-hmm. in my own homeschooling was one year it was particularly difficult for my son. He was not doing very well in math at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought, about springtime, I thought we are going to have to repeat this entire level because I just don't think that 
I, I don't think that we can just go forward. The test mm. scores were 25%, 40%. It, it just was a very difficult time for him that year. Mm. It wasn't just math, but the, the math reflected it. So yeah. that next year we did, we repeated the entire thing. And it was such a hard decision to make because mm. you feel like you're holding somebody back. And, and he was okay in the other areas, history, science, loved those. But, he, mm-hmm. but those sequential things, the cumulative sequential subjects like math, they're really dependent upon that daily practice and the mastery. So we yeah. did. We repeated the entire year. And then when it was time for testing at our children's hospital, I just sort of cringed thinking this is going to be so <laughs> oh, bad because yeah. we didn't get to the next level. But uh, And so much so I warned the tester. Kind of like the the <laughs> I said, this just isn't going to be good, but we had to repeat. Well, it turns out he ended up scoring at a post-secondary level at, in some of the applied math things. Hmm. He tested so much higher than he ever had tested in math that I, I just was sold on mastery instead of just dragging kids forward, which Mm -hmm. happens in a lot of the more like conveyor belt approaches to education. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. We really want our children to know things. They Mm -hmm. they love to know. There's an article, I think it's still out there on the Memorial Press website that I wrote, The Joy of Knowing. Mm. Mrs. Cheryl Lowe, the founder of Memoria Press, she just, she said this, it's so simple, but it's so profound. Children love to know the answer. Yeah. It's kind of like your daughter. It's frustrating when you don't know the answer. So they love to know the answer. We want to equip Mm. them so they can know things. Right. Yeah. Because all they do is just get frustrated otherwise. And and we're keeping work on them that they don't have the basis for even understanding if they don't have that mastery. I repeated math with one of my children too. So (laughs) total agreement with that. And, you know, they feel better because they hit those points in that math curriculum where they do remember something. And then it's like, I know something and um, it builds their self-esteem too. So that's been extremely helpful. Awesome. Well, we are halfway through, so I'm going to give you a little break, Cheryl, and we're going to hear from Home Life Academy, our sponsor for this this episode. So um, thank you, Home Life Academy, for for sponsoring Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And um, I'm just going to read a little bit about who Home Life Academy is. They are a non-traditional K-12 private school that provides full service and support to homeschooling families. HLA offers real flexibility to their students, and our special needs counselors work closely with parents to choose curriculum, work through learning differences, and successfully complete their high school requirements through modified paths that offer a high school diploma or a certificate of completion. HLA, Home Life Academy, can refer families to special needs advocates or our special needs consultant through the Homeschool Care Foundation. Through these programs, homeschooling families can get IEP assistance, assessments, and the support needed to inspire and equip families on their journey. For more information, you can visit them at homelifeacademy.com or you can email them at info at homelifeacademy.com. So thank you, Home Life Academy, for sponsoring um, this episode and um, and for giving us the ability to to talk about homeschooling and children on the spectrum with um, Cheryl Swoop. So we're bringing Cheryl back. Um, 
on the screen. And we just want to remind you, if you're watching, that we are taking your comments and your questions. So definitely put those in the feed if you um, you have something that you want us to talk about. But we're just talking about homeschooling a child on the spectrum, wisdom from the trenches. So just... um, just various things about homeschooling kids on the spectrum and um, what does that involve and um, just hopefully some encouragement for you. And and the first half an hour was definitely a lot of encouragement, Cheryl. Thank you so much for all you've shared already. So, uh, yeah. Well, as we dive into our our second half, um, I got to ask the question, (laughs) how do I get it all done? (laughs) I think, you know, we all ask that. It's the schoolwork. It's the the housework, it's, you know, can I get a break? (laughs) Um, You know, over the years, you know, you've got kids that have, you know, needs and need you um, there. How have you learned to balance all of that and, and, you know, take the time that you need for yourself too? When, when we were first starting to homeschool, one of the one of the friends who homeschooled, actually both. I had two good friends. They both homeschooled and they taught me by example Mm. that homeschooling includes chores. It just, Mm -hmm. and I had never thought of, thought of that because I wasn't really raised that way. We had some chores, but we weren't responsible for too much Mm. growing up. My mom really did almost everything inside the house and then my dad took care of the outside of the house and we we just we had minor things but they were not big Mm. and so we learned very early that recess is chores Mm. (laughs) we did have times um i mean in our homeschool i'm not talking about growing up so in our homeschool we just from very early on when we would take breaks which my kids needed Mm-hmm. because again if you miss the beginning they they have um i don't even think i said everything they have autism they also have learning disabilities different processing mm. difficulties attention difficulties and coordination difficulties but then also some medical conditions and they mm-hmm. both also have mental illness specifically schizophrenia mm. their biological mother had that as well mm. So they, they don't have the mental stamina to endure a six-hour homeschool day. Mm. Or even early on, it was even just maybe a 10 or 15-minute lesson. That was as much as we could do. But if I yeah. just let everybody go, myself included, to go, to go play or to go rest or relax, it was very hard to get everybody back. So yeah. we built the chores into the day so that when Mm. dad came home at the end of the day, the house was reasonably neat. (laughs) I remember we had, we had, I think that was my, my husband's cousins were over one day. So there were adults with kids. Mm -hmm. They said, I just have one question. How do you get your eight year old to sort the laundry? (laughs) (laughs) she was sitting there sorting the socks and folding them and everything and but for her that was ot and it was also a one-to-one correspondence it was also Mm -hmm. fine motor it was it was 
all kinds of good things, matching and, and helping with the socks. And to this day, mm-hmm. she is the one who has the big white, the big basket of white socks that she has oh, to wow. store. But, <laughs> uh, but it was just because we, we really had to do that to be efficient. Yeah. yeah. And it did, it did teach, teach them some good things. I do have a side story about sorting yeah. laundry if you have time. Oh, yeah. We'd love to hear it. (laughs) One of the ways that we knew that my daughter's mind was different in in a really kind of special way was when I walked by the living room one day, she had been sorting laundry. There were different small stacks all around the living room. And I was hmm. thinking, I didn't say out loud, but is she sorting by color? But that it wasn't that that way. There might have been blue and green. Is she sorting by all t-shirts, like shirts and then pants? No, it wasn't that way either. Hmm. She's sorting by person. The four of us, no, it wasn't that way either. So I finally just had to say, Michelle, how is it that you're sorting the laundry? She looked up a little pigtail. She said, I'm sorting them by their country of origin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so we looked and sure enough, there's a pile from Thailand, a pile from Sri Lanka, Germany, made in the USA. Uh-huh. We had been in our homeschool. We had been talking about different cultures, different lands. Uh-huh. So, um, that's... <laughs> I have never thought of sorting laundry that way. (laughs) No, of course not. Right. But it's, yeah, that cued us in. So there's something very special going on here. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, to to take the time to to see that and not say you're doing that wrong or, you know, it needs to be done this way, but allow them that that ability to... um, To sort the laundry the way that they think it should be sorted. (laughs) Oh, no, I didn't let that go on. Oh, did you didn't? <laughs> it was just, it was just kind of amazing. But mm. no, it still had to be, well, remember. Still that, teach yeah. them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a more efficient way to do yeah. this. <laughs> right. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, that, yeah, it really does, does help. And, and, you know, it's interesting because last week we were talking about um, sensory needs for our kids. And he was talking about, um, our, my guest was talking about heavy work and how mm-hmm. kids need that heavy work to get their minds reoriented to be able to think. And chores require so much heavy work yes. that, um, that back and forth. And he even said, they'll be ready to sit down when you've done that. Um, right. So what what a great productive way instead of just some kind of you know picking up bricks or other things <laughs> right. they can actually no, do something productive. We did that too. Our OT really cued us into that as well. That that um, proprioceptive mm. feedback of of the heavy work. So that's where the pulling up the trash can up our driveway or taking it down or bringing in logs or moving logs. Mm-hmm. All of those those heavy work things are important vacuuming, um, gathering up the trash. So yes, we, we are big fans of, of that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, we don't even think about that. I know my kids were, were bailing hay every morning when we lived on our farm and, and they, they always, 
thought so, you know, they had such good um, study time right in the morning. I never even connected the two for a long time. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, so, um, so just know if, if you're watching, we have about 20 more minutes. So um, we'd love to incorporate into your questions or comments. Um, but I'm going to go on to my next one because, again, this is another question a lot of parents um, struggle with. And especially if we have a child that we seem to have gotten in a groove, things are, are going good, and then all of a sudden they hit a plateau or they, um, they just don't seem to be getting this next step um, or they're very resistant to... Um, to continuing on, what have you learned that is helpful in those those types of situations where you feel like <laughs> I'm still going and nothing is happening <laughs> with what we're doing? Hmm. I think I'm not sure that we encountered that. I'll, I'll probably think in about an hour <laughs> after this of times that we did, but. The only instance I can think of where that happened, we just took a break. We mm -hmm. just we just paused for a time, and and then came back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's. I don't know. What have you done, Peggy? What have I done? Um, you know, with my son when he didn't read. Um, we we did we had to do standardized testing in our state, Minnesota, when we lived there. And of course, you know, his reading was just wasn't improving, wasn't improving. I gave him audiobooks. He loved, you know, all the Narnia stories. I think he basically memorized them um, for listening to the audiobooks. And we did read out loud. So he was getting this rich vocabulary and, you know, all of these things that we were doing. And yet it just seemed like the reading part for him wasn't clicking. And all of a sudden when he turned twelve. Um, and we just, you know, we did the short reading lesson every day and I didn't push it. I just thought, you know what, he's smart, he'll get it. I'm just going to keep, keep trying and, um, didn't want to discourage him either. I wanted him to love books. And I know you, you're so into that, <laughs> um, with the sure. classical approach. Um, so just, he, um, Age 12, something clicked, and he tested that year at college level. So very similar to, you know, your story with the math. Right. And, you know, it um, it didn't deter him from wanting to read books because I, I wasn't, I didn't let that anxiety right. take over. Well, and, and that does make me think of another time. So really what you did is you just taught it, but you taught it a different way. And we mm -hmm. had that with math where we got to a certain level in math where he could understand the math, but there was something about the language of the lesson oh, yeah. that was beyond him. Mm -hmm. And I just, I couldn't, we couldn't just stop math. So, right. <laughs> uh, so I realized that it really was that, that language component or the reading component where he would mm. sort of blaze over if, when we were introducing the les lesson mm -hmm. and about that same time, a family friend had given me a little mini erase board on a, on an easel. It was a mm -hmm. little whiteboard on an easel with a marker. Hmm. So what I would do is when I was eating breakfast, I would read the lesson 
And then before we ever opened the book, I would explain the lesson to him on that whiteboard so he could see it oh, the visually. Because yeah. auditory uh-huh. processing is one of his difficult okay. areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would get the lesson, boom, he's got it. Then we would read it and it made total sense. And then we were able to go on. Huh. That's really cool. Yeah. Because he had connected enough things in his brain to right. be able to pass over whatever um, vocabulary or whatever. Yeah. That math and vocabulary. I, I tutored one student with, um, it, he had dyslexia and upper level math really threw him for a loop because of that vocabulary. And, you know, you don't even think about how dyslexia can affect math because we think it's just like dyscalculia, but it, it can be just the words, especially right. for the up level math. That's a great example. Good encouragement too. Yeah. So, um, so we have to talk about, you know, just preparing our children for the future. You know, I, I think that that's always when we have kids that struggle and, you know, especially that have more profound struggles. Um, I think the question in the back of our head is, what about their future? And and what am I going to do? Um, um, so any wisdom for parents on, you know, just how to, to push through that and... Well, I have to say <laughs> that... <laughs> With mine at 26, it's not so much in the back of our heads anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that the number one thing is ensuring that their faith is nurtured. Mm-hmm. Not relying on them to read the scriptures on their own or decide if they're going to church or or pray on their own. We we kind of learned the hard way that that it's important to still pray as a family, even though they're young adults. Now, of course, mm-hmm. I'm talking about kids who are still living with you, where you're the guardian and you still have that kind of arrangement. But mm-hmm. but I would just say, I guess, as as long as they are with you, so even if that's into the teen years, to not assume that that after, say, confirmation in some traditions or mm-hmm. after they hit those teen years, it's, it's kind of the same principle as continuing to read aloud as a family, even after they have learned to read themselves. Right. It's, we just we want to make sure that that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens to them, that's just the most important thing. Yeah. But... Nurturing them along in volunteering. Mm-hmm. That that came from Dr. Temple Grandin, whom I just adore. And mm-hmm. I read so much when my kids were little and early, early diagnosed with autism. There was mm-hmm. not that much out there then because it was this was almost 25 years ago. But nope. But Dr. Grandin is a big proponent of not coddling our children with autism, but instead getting them mm-hmm. out there when they're 13, 14, getting them hooked up with a good mentor who will mm-hmm. teach them how to become a young adult in the workplace. Yeah. She speaks often of her experience in a similar scenario and how important it was for her to even be told somewhat bluntly that hygiene matters on the job. Uh-huh. And, um, 
and there's, <laughs> it's just different. It's different mm-hmm. when it comes from somebody other than mom and dad now when they're 13 mm-hmm. and 14. Probably right. one of the best things we did was when my son was 14, there was an opening for a homeschool class in history in our little historic town on the Mississippi River in Missouri. Mm. We, it seemed to me we were already doing so much. We had, we had homeschool swim. We, had, we just had lots of things going on. It's so easy to, to get overloaded. And then mm-hmm. here comes this history class. He loved history so much. Oh, I thought, do I want to take on one more thing? But I'm so glad that we did because mm-hmm. that, that for him then became his group, his, his, his people. Yeah. He found his people in this museum. The director had a background in special needs. She had also homeschooled. Mm-hmm. She loved his, his love of history. Mm-hmm. She found a, place for him. He started initially just working in the office, kind of cleaning artifacts, but eventually he actually, he gave tours to people who came to our town being on the higher end of autism. He learned about the facts of our historic homes. He knows Mm -hmm. uh, even today more than most of the natives in our town. Wow. Local history. So Mm. that, that was a really important thing for him. He was there for probably five years or so until that director left. It's really Mm. important to have somebody who understands our children to take them under their wing. But Mm -hmm. um, then for my daughter, she's a very caring person, compassionate person. So Mm -hmm. she was paired at a nursing home and uh, was able to work there for quite a while. That's awesome. That's yeah. That's, that's a really good place for somebody who has got compassion and really cares for people because they've got so many amazing stories. I volunteered at a nursing home when I was a teenager. So that brings back a lot of memories for me. <laughs> yeah. So volunteering, I think that's, that's the, the main thing. And it can be anybody, a neighbor or mm-hmm. you know, any trusted adult who understands where your children yeah. are coming from. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. We're going to cover um, volunteering apprenticeships and, and those types of things in August. We're going to have, that's our whole focus for that month. So, so that Good. is coming up. So, yeah, because they really are so important and getting out into the world, getting some practice with them before getting into the workforce or mm-hmm. you know, just in general, knowing knowing more about themselves and um, instead of, like you said, from us, their parents, because they tend <laughs> to stop always listening to us at that age and questioning things. And it's nice to have another set of people around them that, right. that repeat the same things we do. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally agree. Well, we just have a couple minutes left. I would love for you to, if there's anything else that you have on your mind that you just love to share um, as an encouragement, hope, or just a, a story that um, came to mind as we were talking, I'd love that. The only thing is just my my daughter's favorite verse is something that's really important to her. And so I Mm. sometimes close my sessions with this verse. And this this is for parents. We have we have rough days. 
Mm-hmm. We have rough weeks and we have rough years. Mm-hmm. But this is my my daughter's confirmation verse, and it is her favorite. And I'll just close with this: mm-hmm. Fear not, God says, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, mm-hmm. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Yeah. And I, I know you've seen it in action that God does that, and so have I. And um, so that's that's an incredible encouragement. Um, just trust. I think that um, you know the answers to all all these questions ends up being just seek Him. And I think you have a, an article on our website. All is His. Um, you know, we we turn it all back to Him. That's definitely where we're going to get our most encouragement and and our wisdom from. So, so can you talk a little bit more about the resources that we can find on simplyclassical.com? And then also you have a um, uh, social skills curriculum that we're going to be doing an unboxing and review of that'll be coming out on our YouTube channel soon. So I'd love for you to talk about that as well. I do. So the, the book that, that we mentioned early is Simply Classical. We talked about classical education, but sometimes we need to simplify things. So mm. simply classical and the subtitle is a beautiful education for any child. It's an amazing this, book. <laughs> this is the book that kind of sparked everything for us. I really intended to tell our story and then just encourage parents. But from there, Memoria Press who published the book said, People will want to know how to do this. Can, can mm. we create a curriculum for, just for children with special needs? So I said, yes, we can. And, yeah. <laughs> I, and I would love to do that because I kept all my notes and it's just so important oh, to me. So, that's awesome. uh, like I said, even our young younger levels, this is level mm-hmm. B, they have beautiful covers yeah. on purpose. Um, here's... I'm actually at my desk, so I have all of these things right here. This is our level one. They're all themed. So this is sentences, sums, and stories. Mm. And you'll notice, um, there we go, Mark 10, 14, where Jesus said, let all the little children come to Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Simply Classical, it, the curriculum is not by grade. It's just by ability. Mm-hmm. At simplyclassical.com, which is on the screen, there are readiness assessments we mentioned before to know where yeah. to begin. Also, you can people can contact me. We help with placement all the time if you're just not quite sure. That initial placement is yeah, just really important. We don't want people mm-hmm. to, to waste time or money. So, um, mm-hmm. so I will just say right here. It's Cheryl Swope at memoriapress.com. Cheryl Swope at memoriapress.com. And I would be happy to help anybody who's new to homeschooling or new to seeking something a little more structured. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we, we just, we need more structure for our children with autism. They, we found thrive on it. Yes. Even in weekends and summers, we need to have that. Yeah. Um, and then also, you mentioned myself and others. This is a very popular program for 
children with autism. We have at the back some cards that you laminate. Oh, those are great. Mm -hmm. That you do, you use before the lessons. We have a a picture cue. So the visual cue, you laminate them and cut them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a hand signal. And it just reminds you, for example, when we're covering rules, we say, stop, think about the rule before you act. Mm, We're just teaching mm -hmm. self-control. And then we, we end each lesson with a listening exercise, which is a read aloud. So for example, we might be teaching about helping others and the the joy of community when we help each other, when we, we all pitch Mm. in, whether that's family or neighborhood. Then at the end, we read the little red hen where the little red Uh hen do everything by yourself because not Uh I said the pig, not I said the cat. Right. Uh Had they all pitched in, they could have all had that bread together. So Mm -hmm. we, we are also, we're also teaching, targeting some social awareness. It's called myself and others lessons in social understanding habits and manners. You teach the various lessons. Then you end with a read aloud but we're also looking at identifying our own feelings mm. and then mm-hmm. the feelings of others by facial expressions or body oh, language. That's great. Mm-hmm. To kind of cultivate that empathy, or we call it mm-hmm. theory of mind in you know, the jargon, but it's really just compassion, frankly. Mm. We have little books that go with it for, for our younger kiddos, and there's no writing involved. There's, there are myself and others one, and then here's also two. They go up to three and four. They're for ages or ability, mm-hmm. four to 13. Um, they, the awesome. older ones use an ESOP copy book. Mm-hmm. So we're teaching kind of life lessons. Here's one that's good for all of us. Mm-hmm. This is the little boy and the filberts. And the moral lesson, or the, the lesson, it's like a character lesson, but do mm-hmm. not attempt too much <laughs> at once. If we had time, I could tell that story. But because learn the stories of Aesop's fables mm-hmm. and the lessons that go with them, the kind of those timeless lessons that right. animals are teaching us. Right. Uh-huh. So they're a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yes. And, um, and one of our team members is um, reviewing, I think it's um, level three, the book, book three is what um, she got. And then she's doing an unboxing and a video review of, so that'll be coming out on our YouTube channel. So, so yeah, well, thanks so much, Cheryl. This has been so, so much. Um, got one more comment question. I don't know if we have time, but Casey says, any suggestions about how to address your child's concerns about being made different? We are believers. I told him God just made you just right. That's a good question to end on. I'm having a hard time hearing Peggy, but thankfully I could, oh. I could see Cassie's okay. question. Hi, Cassie. Any suggestions about how to address your child's concerns about being made different? We are believers and told him God made you just right. It is hard. There's, there's a, I don't know how old the child is, but there's a really nice fable or story, kind of like a fairy tale. It's called The Little Lame Prince. 
depending mm-hmm. on the child's age, that, that can be a really good one to read, not just for the child, but also for us. The, I don't think we have enough time, so I won't go into the details, but the, the bottom line is that the message that this fairy godmother told this prince who was lame, he was crippled, um, were the terms, of course, in that fairy tale, but he so physically challenged. He couldn't run like the other children. He couldn't play like the other children. And no one explained to him why or what this would mean. But the fairy godmother comes. She gives him a magic carpet so that he can go and see the world, but in a different way or a magic cloak, something like that. But she says to him, your life will be different. I tell you this because I love you. But I also tell you that that your life can be happy nonetheless. Mm. That's kind of the message that we have shared with our kids, that they're not just to receive services. They're Mm. they're to serve other people. They're, They're going to be gifted in some ways, no matter how small, to be able to do that, to see the people around them and to give to others. And we're all called to do that. Mm. Also, Psalm 139 would be a fabulous thing to memorize. Mm. That, that your child is, in fact, fearfully and wonderfully yeah. made. Mm. So good. Thank you for taking time to answer that one. Thank you, okay. Cassie, for that question. Um, that, that was a very good wrap-up to this hour. And um, and yes, and, and thank you for all that you've had to share. Um, um, Cheryl, yeah, Casey said thank you. You're welcome. So, um, so I just want to thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Home Life Academy, again, for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Conversations. We will be back again next week um, talking still about autism homeschooling. We're going to talk about home strategies for autism language development. And so we're in all about um, language and language skills um, with our guest. And so just hopefully my... My internet will be better next week. <laughs> so um, thankfully, Cheryl's was much better than mine. And um, so we just want to thank you all for joining us. And um, we'll see you again next week right here on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Have an awesome night and we'll see you all then. Bye, everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.